Welcome to Talks News, your only source to Michael the Knowledgeable Knowles. I am your host, the wacko weirdo, rebel scum, Jedi hero, whichever side you sit upon. Today's date is May 21st, 2021. Let the record show. We begin with the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. So, uh, I was given a good reminder to say, hey, like, subscribe, dislike, rate, review, comment, do whatever you need to do in the, in the comment section below, the like button, dislike button, subscribe, rate, all of that stuff. Do it for me. Um, whether, no matter how you feel about this podcast, it really helps fight the algorithm uh, in these algorithmic days. And so actually after that, we're just going to get right into these Michael Knowles clips. Uh, the news cycle is pretty weak right now. Um, I've covered a wide variety of things in the last few episodes, but I just found these three segments to be fairly interesting for Michael Knowles. We got one, uh, called watch black TikTok girls, epic explanation of God and the universe. And I wanted to get into that existential metaphysical kind of conversation. And then we have uh, the next segment called John Oliver's insane solution for the Israeli conflict, which um, don't like the heading heading of that title, but it's supposed to be inflammatory. Uh, Also though, it focuses in more on national issues, not America's national issues, but national issues nonetheless. And then we have Michael Knowles commenting on Demi Lovato's personal choice for some reason. Uh, and so we've we've got we've got it all. We've got God, Israel, and Demi Lovato from Michael Knowles. So, <laughs> um, let's get into it. Let's just start right away. There was a great video I saw. This one girl, super smart, posts a TikTok where instead of just focusing on her you know, super high after seven bong hits kind of weird subjectivist pseudo philosophy. She uses facts and logic to explain how there is a reality to the universe. And by the way, the substratum of that reality, the, the, the essence that keeps the being, that keeps the whole thing going, that undergirds all of it is God who exists. Have y'all ever heard of the theory of general relativity? It's what Einstein is famous for. In his calculations, he started to realize that the universe was not eternal. It had a beginning. Now this leads us to the law of causality. Everything that came to be needs a cause. So Einstein clearly knew that if the universe had a beginning, it needed a cause. Let's go to the Big Bang Theory. There was no space, no time, and no matter before the Big Bang. And all of this being theory, um, there's not a lot of... uh evidence that we can use to prove that um that indeed in fact that we all started from a super pressurized small point and then expanded into the universe that we know today so um we're working all on theory and to say that anything is necessarily concrete is a way of coming at this discussion with a disingenuous perspective but we shall continue on universe emerged out of nothingness what does that mean since it's impossible for the universe to be able to create itself because it didn't exist 
in order to be able to create itself. The fascinating thing about it, though, is that like the universe as we know it didn't exist and what the universe was prior to how we know it today. We can't necessarily say exactly how it existed before. The Big Bang Theory thrives on that everything, all matter within the universe was in a solitary, confined space, pressurized heavily until it uh, concocted the right mixture and exploded into the the universe that we're all experiencing today. Um, but just because there's a cause and effect doesn't mean that there has to be a um, a deity behind it that would be consciously aware of every act that it is doing. The thing that I always find fascinating about life is that it does create life out of life. Um, and that, you know, when we watch a, a tree go through its life cycle, it does kind of provide evidence in a way that life does create life without having to have a certain uh, omnipresent being uh ensure that that existence comes through uh life goes through its own processes uh to ensure the perpetuation of life through a myriad of ways so to think that the only way that this could happen is by a divine hand is a little bit limited in the view i'm not saying that there's not a god um i'm simply saying that life if you know without the supreme being being the uh, order of all things that life does have the capability if we're to use our uh deduction through the scientific method, life has the capability to actually enact more life through the perpetuation of itself. It has many cycles and processes to do this, and um, none of it is necessarily evidence for a divine being, while at the same time, it's not evidence of not a divine being. But when we look at evolution, that kind of brings into the question of God, because the Bible usually says that how man was created is that uh, Adam was made from dirt uh, by God molded in his uh, in his image, and then Eve was made out of a rib from Adam. So that's pretty uh, scientifically inaccurate and doesn't actually provide much answer into the mystery when we know that we've descended from many ancestors in the animal kingdom. So, yeah. Nature and the universe itself was just a big effect that was caused by what are we left with? An extremely powerful, extremely intelligent, precise, given the precision that our universe was created with, personal entity. But how do you know it's precise? The the thing that like the evolution theory has behind it is that, you know, most of evolution has thrived on mistakes, that life uses methods of trial and error to figure out what is the best mode of survival, and the best mode of survival is the one that, you guessed it, survives and gets perpetuated throughout life. Um, so I don't know how exactly we can say that everything is precise just because we can find balance in how the environment interacts with itself. Um, if we were to say that life, like God is that precise, then we have to question why, um, everything comes out so differently. Like why there are so many variations and so many things, whether it's plants, animals, the human experience, there's variations on so many levels on every life form that you can't really say that it is that precise. I don't know what she's saying is precise because we're not getting a, that specific because after she assumed that since there was nothing to cause or that we think there's nothing to cause the Big Bang, then she took the leap of logic and used the same God fallacy since I can't explain it, then it must be God. And um, it's it's just not a foolproof argument 
entity that is capable of existing outside of time, space, and matter. That can't be nothing but God. <laughs> do, do I need to sign up for TikTok now? I didn't. I thought TikTok was just a bunch of crazy people spouting off and then a bunch of other people jiggling around. And I figured this is not, and, and also Xi Jinping stealing all of our information. So I assume there's no reason for me to be on TikTok. But if I can go on TikTok and just hear popular apologetics and very strong and common sense arguments for the existence of God, maybe I got to sign up and get an account. In a way, that was a common sense argument, but like at the same time too, once we, once she got to the realization that if nothingness was the cause of the effect of the universe, then she filled it in with the God fallacy that if I cannot explain the reasoning behind all of this, then the answer must be God. That in itself is a logical fallacy, thus not making it a very strong logical argument. So... Uh, I see what he's saying, but it like fundamentally wrong. It's, it's wrong. Do you see the difference between what this gal is saying on TikTok and say what Demi Lovato is saying in her social media post? <laughs> oh yeah. And we'll get there. Oh yeah. We'll get there. And I like how he has to juxtapose th these two women is like, or I guess we'll get to that eventually too, because Demi Lovato is no longer, uh, she's non-binary now. So I shouldn't have said women, woman, and my apologies. But the thing is that I find very fascinating here is that he has to juxtapose them with like somebody I agree with and somebody I don't. Isn't that just like so paradoxical how they can exist in one place? Oh, that's his brain exploding. Post. They're both giving their visions of the universe, right? They're both describing, I guess, even their identity or where they find themselves in the universe. But with Demi Lovato's, you can't make an argument for or against it because she's just saying it's all just about my personal feeling, my personal private revelation that I had of who I am. But I don't even know who I am yet, even though I know who I am, but I don't know who I'm going to be, but I am who I'm going to be. And therefore, you just have to believe me. And if you don't, you know, you're kind of a meanie and you, you'll hear more from my friend Alok or whatever. This gal is coming out and saying, hey, you have faculties of reason. There is an observable reality that we can perceive, and then we can use our reason to work that out, have conceptions, right, and follow arguments to their logical conclusion. And because this world... That's the same thing that Demi Lovato was arguing, but he just doesn't agree with what Demi Lovato was saying fundamentally. And the fascinating thing that I find about human beings is that we think that we, just because we have these rational capabilities that we can rationalize and reason things, that that is somehow the peak of it. That, like, since we can rationalize and reason, then it must be the answer. As if, like, our perspective, our so-called common sense, isn't limited to the sensory provisions that we have, which is very limited completely. The fact that, like, without science, everybody was sold on the idea of having, like, five to ten gods dictating the entire life before another religion came up and said, actually, it's all one god, should completely disqualify human rationality and reasoning from being the apex predator and figuring out what the fuck is going on in the universe. We should actually just humble ourselves and accept that there's not a lot that we can truly know. And so there's nothing wrong with curiosity continually opening doors. But that's not Michael Knowles' case here. Michael Knowles' case is, is that we are a Judeo-Christian valuing country. And so you should value the Judeo-Christian beliefs.
That's what we're doing right here. And it's very narrow-minded and it closes minds from actually like opening themselves up to a metaphysical mystery and wonder and possible adventure of self-discovery. So very unfortunate. Is, is caused, because we're all sort of caused beings and contingent beings even, then you've got to trace that all the way back to God, to an unmoved mover, to an uncaused cause. That's not because like literally like if I was going to use my common sense and rationality, like I like I could say because we have scientific proof on how wind generates itself and then moves itself across the planet. But yet just because people can't understand the scientific language, it's much easier to say God moves the wind. And so it's a lot. It's, it's again, it's that logical fallacy. If I cannot explain it, then it must be God. That is not a reasonable excuse to go with your beliefs. It's not. You can use your faith. You can say, I have faith that it's God, but you can't say absolutely for certain that it's God. Otherwise, you're committing a logical fallacy and you are um, uh, harming your argument while at the same time not allowing the people listening to you to empower themselves with an alternative view. Um, so, like, again, I just wish that this wasn't the perspective conservatives are always taking, which is a very rigid uh, life experience just a, hey man, wouldn't it be weird if it were like this? That's a, that's a logical argument. If we are going to have a society that is living in reality, we got to base it on that. You can't, it's not possible to be living in reality if you base it on the Demi Lovato thing, because Demi, it's not even just that she's wrong. It's that she doesn't accept reality. Yeah, but... <laughs> Anyways, Demi Lovato doesn't bring God into the discussion, though. So like this having this this conversation here and being like, since I can't know for certain what caused the evolution of life in the beginning of the universe, then it must be God that I, I can't like it's not as logical as Michael Knowles is saying it here. You're replacing rational reasoning with faith. You have faith that it is God that is in that is the man behind the curtain doing all of these things. So you cannot say rationally and reasonably for certain that it is God because we don't have any evidence to provide except for her language, which is everything is precise, which wasn't explained at all. That's vague language. I could say that I was talking very precisely when I know damn sure well I'm just ranting. So, mm, mm, mm. That reality exists at all. But unfortunately, the Demi Lovato theory of the world is, is much more fashionable at the moment than that girl's theory of the world. Also, also Thomas Aquinas' theory of the world that she's... she's they, they have nothing to do with each other. Like Demi Lovato's experience within herself has nothing to do with this conversation in God. It's just fundamental on the disagreement of what she said that Michael Knowles is making fun of here. It had literally nothing to do. She does talk about time and space a little bit, but it doesn't remove the existence of God. So it's it's so strange that he's propping her up uh, on, on this pedestal as a godless human being when we should be praising the one who will use a logical fallacy to explain the existence of the universe. W what? Reciting. The trans ideology is more popular at the moment. Hey there. I like how he like, says it like that, like the trans ideology is out there to, in, in an attempt to replace God. Like that's not, no, that's not what's going on. Um, but uh, like, I'm sure that there are religious trans people out there who are subscribed to Judeo-Christian 
uh, theology. Um, I don't know how many. It's probably a fraction of a fraction, but that's nonetheless, like, I'm sure there are trans people who believe that they are allowed to identify as the gender that they see fit for their lives while also simultaneously praying to a one God. Maybe even Jesus Christ. Not really sure. But since that conversation had a lot to do with Demi Lovato, I'm going to have to do Demi Lovato's video. I'm, I'm switching up the order. We're going to do Demi's video, and then we'll get into uh, him talking shit about John Oliver. Lovato is now identifying as she previously identified as pansexual. She's now changing that to identify as non-binary. I don't know exactly what the difference is between those things. But and that should disqualify Michael Knowles from having this discussion whatsoever. If you can't tell the difference between a non-binary person and a pansexual person, you should not be talking about sexual orientation and gender identity. Because obviously you do not have the sufficient resources to have this discussion. Non-binary is a gender identity. Pansexuality is a sexual orientation. If you do not know these things, Google them. If you Google them, that's fine. If you do not know these things and you have a conversation about them before doing any research on your show that is paid for by billionaires um you should cancel yourself before anybody else has to because this is a ridiculous way to start out your video is by saying i don't know anything about these words but it's ridiculous that demi lovato would just identify herself like this like how dare she but I know that the effect of this latter one is that she now identifies as multiple people. She wants her preferred pronouns to be they and them. And she announced this. Yeah, so uh, Michael got a ball and they wanted to go and play basketball. Does it have to be a fucking plural pronoun or are you playing by your own grammatical rules? Because they has been used to describe gender neutrality for a minute. For a hot fucking minute, Michael. Like, if you get a basketball and I choose to say Michael, he owns a house, and they invited me over, you're going to say, oh, there's not multiple Michaels. Like, yeah, I know, dude. I'm talking about you. And he's like, well, use my proper pronoun. <laughs> in a pretty trippy video. Living in the fourth dimension means existing consciously in both time and space. Hold on. Pause it right there. Already, you see, we have a little problem about the agreement and disagreement on reality. She says, living in the fourth dimension means living consciously in time and space. That's called living in the third dimension, <laughs> right? I don't, I'm not a physicist, but I'm living in, the, in 3D right now. Right? Yeah, and you're doing great by acknowledging the fact that the space only has third dimensions. Like the theory that we have multiple dimensions layered upon each other tells me that you're not very aware of space very much in the, in the fact that we have theories of multiple dimensions being later, layered on top of ours. The fact that like ants can only see in two dimension, although they are third dimensional characters to us like dude you're already not living you're living way beyond like below the fourth dimension by saying i live in the third dimension and i'm aware of time and space in fact i'm in my office and it's four o'clock like good for you dude but you just you just sold yourself away by saying it's ridiculous to consider the fourth dimension i see i've got space i see I understand volume and things like that and i'm i'm living in time I don't, I know sometimes people call time the fourth dimension. I don't know. It seems a little hippy dippy to me. So, oh yeah, dude. But like he'll instantly buy the leap in logic from the general relative, the, the general theory of relativity 
telling him that since we can't explain it, it must be God. That's that's doable for him. But with the theory of time being the fourth dimension, the fourth the the expression of the fourth dimension into the third, that's too much for him. That's just hippy dippy nonsense. I'm not even going to consider that. Um, I would much prefer that we just say time is God. That way I can understand it and move on my day. I just want to watch football and eat chicken wings. Already, I think the interdimensional aspect of this video has me primed and ready to assume she's not going to be totally coherent. She goes on. But for me, it means having conversations that transcend the typical discourse. I want to take this moment to share something very personal with you. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them. Pause. Pause again. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't. I, but it's my personal choice. I've had this revelation. Where did you get this revelation from? Who gave you this revelation that you are multiple people? The only... Who, who is saying, like Demi Lovato isn't saying that she's multiple people. He's, he's just trying to use uh, they, them as if they're only plural pronouns when they're not. They've been used as gender neutral pronouns for a long time. Um, but it's very fascinating here that you're not allowed to tell yourself who you are. If you do that, then you have broken an egregious sin in the eyes of Michael Knowles. If you tell me who you are, I think you have done wrong, Demi. A book where I have seen a sort of revelation that an individual person is multiple people is this very old book, sometimes called The Good Book, uh, in which uh, uh, one person shrieks out, we are legion, we are, you know, and, and it's, but it's, that uh, would be demons. Demons would be doing it because you a one person can't be multiple people. And the smiling, and the, I've done some healing. That's also uh, completely like ignoring schizophrenic people and people with multiple personality disorders who prove the rule, the exception to the rule. Unless Michael Knowles is willing to take the position that people who suffer from multiple personality disorder are in fact demons. Is that the position you are going to take right now, Michael Knowles? Because the only people who can exist as multiple people at once are only demons. Is that is that really the position you're going to take right now? All right. Healing work and some self-reflection. You hear this a lot from the, they're always healing because of some trauma that has been done to them. And I actually, oh, that's so amazing that like, it's now demonizing to like, say like, oh, the left is always healing. Why, what are you healing from? Uh, like, like that's a bad thing. Like, you know, like some people's like, oh, I took some time for some self care. And they're like, for what? Why would you take care of yourself? Why are you always looking out for your health? I'm like, what the fuck? I don't even mean to discount this. Yeah, pe people go through traumas. That, that is life. That is part of life. But it's always we're healing. And because I'm healing, you can't question me. Because I'm trying to recover from this trauma, you can't ever question my delusions. So I am multiple people. What does that mean? What does it mean to be they and them? I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering. In this first episode, I'm excited to share with you what this means to me and what it may look like for other people. 
I want to make it clear that I'm still learning and coming into myself. And I don't claim to see. And the thing that I like that Demi Lovato just said here is that she's on a continuous journey of self-discovery as if like growing up isn't the end goal. Like I always I always like I'm so weirded out by like people having the idea that once you grow up, then you've basically completed your life cycle like you've done it. You, you're, you've grown up and congratulations, you're a grown up now. There's nothing to worry about yourself. And what I like that Demi Lovato admits here is that she's always on a continue journey of uh, self-discovery, which I think is at, like I could applaud that because I think in, you know human beings should always strive to be better than they were the day before. And so if that comes with, you know, doing that without harming others, then I give you points because all you're trying to do is find the best life experience for yourself. And I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't find any difficulties whatsoever of calling anybody they, them, whether they, you know, their preferred pronouns are masculine or feminine. I have no problem with any of this whatsoever because it does not impede me to just watch my language from time to time. To be an expert or a spokesperson. I know this might be a new conversation for many. So I'm inviting my friend Alok, someone I trust to spend time on this platform. Alok is an author, performer, and an important voice within the non-binary community and beyond. Their work to create visibility, equality, and understanding has inspired me on my healing journey. We'll discuss identity at large, but also take the time to personally reflect on how I came into my truth so that we, like many others, are able to live our lives authentically. In just a minute, I'm going to share space with Alok and dive deeper into this conversation. If you told me, Michael, $100,000 on the line, you get one guess. What is the name of this lady's friend? I would probably guess Alok. That's, I wouldn't have guessed John or Bert. See, again, who gives a fuck about people's names? Like, why are we, why are we jumping out of what Demi Lovato said, her argument, her claim, and then jumping into making fun of her friend's name? Like, what, what, what kind of society are we? that we care that much about people's pronouns, what they prefer to be called, when it's so easy to do gender neutral at all times. It's not that hard to use they at all times. And it's not very hard to call somebody by their fucking name. Like, why are we being that weird about it? Why be weird about it? Honestly, I'm, I'm, I, I, there's no argument to be made here other than the fact that Michael Knowles looks ridiculous by ignoring what Demi Lovato said and focusing in that she has a friend named Alok. Who cares? Oh, man, these millennials and their names, all these Gen Zs and their names, they're so weird. Oh. Fuck, man, this is dumb. You know, I think Alok sounds about right. This video matters, not because of anything involving Demi Lovato. I mean, the headline here is, entertainer begs for attention. <laughs> wow, <laughs> not exactly a man bites dog story, is it? So, of course, you know, entertainers do this all the time and they just try to get more attention, particularly as their careers are sort of on the, on the way back down. So not, not surprised here, but the way that Demi Lovato is doing this is by just parroting. It's like a parody of leftist jargon. She's just fitting all the leftist slogans, my truth and self-discovery and healing and this journey into all into one sentence. And it's, you know, it's not going to be coherent really from the beginning of it with the fourth dimension stuff. But even in, in this little bit, she says, we're going to talk about the person that I know I am and am still becoming. 
if you're still becoming that, then you don't know that you are that person. You can't, you can't both be this firm set person and this other thing that you don't know what it is that you're headed to. That, that You certainly can. I know who I am. And I also know that I am a person who will change over time. It's, it's that easy. It's not a contradictory thought of this is who I am today may not be the same person, same exact person by tomorrow. It, it, it's really weird that people have to be so consistent that you have to know who you are at all times, even when you're faced with a challenge of whether or not you fit into society's rigid lines of gender identity. Like, just allow people to discover who they are and allow them to say they know who they are, and that is a person on a journey to self-discovery. Just let them be themselves, and then you will eventually see that people can self-actualize and find their own happiness without having to prescribe to the specific worldview and experience that you live. This is dumb. I'm, I'm genuinely, like upset because of the fact that like conservatives are always talking about how individual liberty is so important and then when somebody expresses their individual liberty when it doesn't fit their box they get upset about it and then they demonize that person and then attack the community that person lives with so this is this is just straight up bigotry and michael Knowles should genuinely be ashamed of himself just that alone is not possible but it's actually multiple people right it's they and it's them and that sort of thing does not jibe with any semblance of society. It's this, the radical subjectivism of the phrase, my truth is enough. Just that alone is enough to destroy society. I'm not being... See, what's very funny to me is that he keeps using they and all of that stuff to be like, oh, it's, it's a plural pronoun. Um, the definition here, hey, hi, hello, it says used to refer to or more people uh, or things uh, previously mentioned or easily identified. And then here we have the second definition, used to refer to a person of unspecified gender. So if we're actually going to hold ourselves to agree to a consensus of reality, and that's what we genuinely use uh, uh, dictionaries for, is that dictionaries are to hold our consensus and what these words mean, they does work in that regard. And even though you do not agree with it in your worldview because you do not like people stepping outside of our gender identity within this world doesn't invalidate it because because obviously society and culture has already moved past you but you're clinging on to it so you can help your buddies in in the local governments pass incredibly anti-transgender bills so this is uh yeah you should be ashamed you should really be ashamed to say that you support individual liberty and then when somebody expresses it that doesn't agree with your worldview you demonize and criminalize it that's wrong that's wrong. Being hyperbolic here, folks. I, I don't mean to say that the bizarre musings of some entertainer are threatening to destabilize society. She is representing a very popular ideology right now. And if we cannot agree that there is truth, in Tim Ryan's words, if we can't agree on reality, then we can't get along in society. And, and what she's saying is not even I disagree with conservatives on reality. She's saying, I don't believe there is reality. I'm saying it's my truth and I'm becoming this radically subjective thing. And I know, look, I know I look like a woman and everything and I talk like a woman and I obviously am a woman, but I've had a revelation that I know that my true self, who I am not even that person yet, but I know that I am that person is multiple people. 
Well, there goes society. Never has she said that she's multiple people. The point of non-binary gender fluidity is that at times you feel more feminine than masculine, and at other times you feel more masculine than feminine. It's not different people living inside one body. It's just the gender role that you play is much more fluid. Michael Knowles wouldn't understood that wouldn't understand this because he lives in a very rigid masculine role, and he thinks that if you have this genitalia, then you too must live up to that gender role. You have to fit inside his conformist box in order to participate in this society without being heckled just for existing. This is a very unfortunate video that I cannot believe that I did not get this mad earlier. Like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's over. Hey there. Yeah, it, it is over, Michael. Holy crap. You, oh my god. Oh my, all right. I feel like I got everything out on that one I can. So, uh, since this is going to be a shorter episode, we have the final segment here, which uh, Michael Knowles says, watch John Oliver's insane solution for the Israeli conflict. Brits are saying very stupid things these days. They are. They are. You know, I, I love our Anglo motherland. You know, I, I, love, I even like the royal family. Those Why? Why? Because the founding fathers weren't particularly keen on them. Why are you? Is it because they represent those traditional values that you wish everybody would instill themselves, which is respecting a monarchy, which obviously oppressed more people than any other form of government that we currently have today? Hmm? Okay. Well, well let's let them talk. German interlopers. I even like them. I do. I, I really like Queen Elizabeth. But some Brits are saying really, really stupid things, such as John Oliver. It occurred to me the other day that John Oliver is... My, like I, I said this last time when I think Crowder covered something that John Oliver had said, and I think they always try to disqualify John Oliver's criticism of the United States by saying, oh, he's from Britain. What does he know? And that kind of disqualifies any immigrant that participates, participates in the discourse whatsoever. If you're going to discount John Oliver because he's from Britain or the UK, then you also have to discount uh, Stephen Crowder because he's from Canada. It's, it's not a great way to start your argument because it then adds to you have to find consistencies in it. So does he think that Steven Crowder shouldn't be allowed to uh, criticize our government because he is from Canada? Consistently vulgar. His version of a joke is just to say some unfunny line and then yell the F word or something and in, in, in performative outrage, right? He does a lot of that. I like how he does a lot of setting up like what people should think of John Oliver's character before getting into his argument whatsoever, because it's more essential for conservatives to attack somebody's character rather than actually getting to the substance of their words, which I always find fascinating, too, because whenever we get into a BLM kind of discussion, they always quote Martin Luther King on how we should judge somebody by their actions rather than their character and they always use that quote whenever we're talking about race issues in america but then when it comes to disagreeing with somebody uh not because of their argument inherently actually it's because of who they are because john oliver is british because he's uh he has some leftist leanings and he makes bad jokes and like this literally has nothing to do with the 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 video the conversation the claims the argument nothing it's the, at this point, we're just talking about his character. And if I make him look bad enough for my viewers, then it's much easier for me to December, December, uh, dismember, sorry, to dismember his argument because I don't really have to try that hard now that everybody hates him. He's like, it's, it's like lazy intellectualism. It's lazy and in, uh, pseudo intellectualism.
and with reliable ignorance. He never really knows very much about anything, but he pretends to know a lot about it. He has very little humility and he yells and he shrieks and he says the F word a bunch and that's supposed to pass for a joke. So in a way, the performative outrage, the reliable ignorance, the absolute haughtiness and vulgarity. John Oliver might be the voice of a generation. I think he really sums it all up. And now Oliver is weighing in on Israel Palestine, a sort of hack TV comedian is finally going to clear up one, one of the longest standing geopolitical, religious and uh, problems in the history of the world. All right, solve it for me, John. Both sides are firing rockets, but one side has one of the most advanced militaries in the world. Both sides are suffering heartbreaking casualties, but one side is suffering them exponentially. And it's not like the US is operating from the moral high ground here. It's obviously no stranger to drone striking weddings and saying, we were just trying to target enemy combatants. This country has blood on its hands too. And look, if you believe Israel's actions are warranted and proportionate this week, you're welcome to try and make that argument. But we have got to start having this conversation honestly and falling back on convenient sanitized terms like real estate disputes and airstrikes on militants feels a little disingenuous when what you're describing is forcing people from the homes they've lived in for decades and killing civilians and children. And again, none of this frees Hamas from responsibility, but Hamas doesn't represent all Palestinians, just as what Israel is doing right now doesn't represent all Israelis or indeed Jewish people. Lots is complicated here, but some things are pretty simple. One side is suffering much more. So there, there is a lot of... All right, so I got to say here before he even tries to disseminate that argument is that like John Oliver didn't try to propose a so solution whatsoever. So the framing of this is already poor. This is bad framing by Michael Knowles already. So that's just, just be warned already of philosophical confusion here that John Oliver hasn't, just even the point of war and how one responds to aggressors and the distinction between terrorism and, and justified state violence. We'll get into that in a second. But he, he's also just made a claim that is, is absurd on its face. Namely, he says that Hamas doesn't represent the Palestinian people. But the thing is, it does. Hamas got elected by the Palestinian Arabs. In 2000 fucking five, maybe six, Michael, they haven't had an election since t the early 2000s. And even Ben Shapiro acknowledged this. So if Hamas hasn't had an election since the early 2000s, at this point, we can consider them dictator, authoritarians, possibly totalitarians. And that doesn't mean that at any point in the recent history, especially since 2014, when we saw the height of a lot of this violence, that doesn't mean that they had the consent of the Palestinians to represent them. All right. So let's, uh, let's cut the bullshit right there. So if you believe in any way in self-government democracy, then Hamas very much represents the so-called Palestinians. It just I like how he says that they elected him, but did not specify when, where, how, and why. And nor does he say that they haven't had an election since 2007. Like that, that this is just bad faith, uh, framing and argumentation right out the gate. Like the government of Bibi Netanyahu represents the people of Israel. It does. 
So even John Oliver gave the consent, the, the benefit of the doubt that the Israeli government does not represent the feeling thoughts and feelings of every Israeli citizen. Unfortunately, Michael Knowles here takes the reverse position of, well, Benjamin Netanyahu, Netanyahu is, in fact, the prime minister of Israel. So he does. He does represent all of them. And when Trump was president of the United States, he represented all of America. And when Biden is president, he represents all of America. But he doesn't agree to all of that. So this inconsistency here is is a major fallacy in all of his logic. So we should discount literally everything he has just said about Hamas representing Palestine. That is dumb, and he is dumb for it. That's I, I can't think of anything more lowbrow and basic than that. Like, honestly, dude. Honestly, get your shit together. And so if, if people don't like, if people in Palestine don't like the way Hamas is acting, they shouldn't have elected them but they did elect them. And now they're facing the consequences. Also, the idea that Israel, if, if Hamas sends a rocket over and kills five Israeli civilians targeting the civilians, the idea that Israel... The thing about their rocket launchers from Hamas is that they don't have advanced targeting in the same way that Israel does. Israel has extremely uh, advanced targeting systems. Hamas and the Palestinians do not. Palestinian... The Palestinians don't have that much. They don't really have that much. So it's very, very interesting here that uh, we're trying to, you know, mark uh, Hamas's killings as very purposeful, even though they shoot thousands of rockets with no predestined location. They just fire them off, killing civilians, which is not okay. But that doesn't mean that it's okay for Israel to come in with their very precise airstrikes and then killing tens of hundreds of women and children and other civilians. Israel should respond by only targeting five, I guess, well, they, no one would suggest that Israel should target five Arab civilians, but so I think there the argument falls apart already, but, but even the idea that Israel should only target five Hamas operatives is insane. That's not how war works. You don't just say, okay, we're going to, you're just going to kill one of me and I'll kill one of you and then five and five and five and five until what? Until it goes on forever. No, the, the, point of war is to defeat your enemy. <laughs> this is no longer a war, though. And I've already gone through this in my last episode, so go listen to that. This is no longer a war. And so making the case that Israel is still acting in its uh, best interest of survival is a horrible argument to make because Israel will not suffer any more uh, than Palestine would if they were to cease their military engagements. Palestine has such little land and power that they have very little to offer in the form of resistance. So it's pretty wild to me that he just argued the case that if Hamas kills five Israeli citizens, that Israel is free to do whatever the fuck it wants. That war is the extension of politics by other means, right? So unless you want there to be a stalemate forever, which will lead to far more suffering and death and misery, then someone's got to win. I know, no one wants to win wars anymore though. I mean, even the way America wages wars now, we're not permitted to win them anymore. We used to be permitted to win them. We obviously would win them militarily. We're the greatest military force ever in the history of the world. But the And yet we lost in Vietnam. And, and yet there's no clear objective in Afghanistan or Iraq or Somalia, or Syria. What are we talking about here? 
There, there's, there's no clear objective in Jordan. We're fighting seven, seven wars all at the same time, dude. And there's no clear objectives other than overthrowing the current regimes that are there and leaving them behind with an infrastructure that is less than great, with at least a new administration that would do our bidding. <sighs> Political forces here mostly coming from the left, will not permit that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. The reason why we haven't won the Afghanistan war is because people on the left won't let the military win. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, literally, the leaps of logic going on here is like you just grew frog legs and just started jumping. Like, what the actual fuck? It's considered icky or yucky or somehow wrong to defeat an, an enemy, particularly when the enemy is considered to be less powerful. But the reason that the less powerful enemy feels justified and confident in picking on the far more powerful enemy, in this case, Hamas picking on Israel. Oh yeah, Hamas is picking on Israel when they kill five citizens and then Hamas or Israel has killed over 200 in a week. Yeah, yeah, Hamas is picking on them. Yeah, for sure. Is because they know that Israel will, will not be permitted to defeat them. So you've got this, because it's a fucking genocide, my dude. Because at this point, with the conditions that are going on in Gaza, humanitarian aid being blocked, the lack of vaccines for COVID-19 not going to Palestinians, the fact that their, that, that, that their population has been sharply reduced over 100 years on top of them being displaced from their homes during that time this is no longer a war my guy this is genocide it is so obvious to see but yet you are so okay with the loss of life as long as it is palestinians that you will give any apologetic excuse to israel and allow this genocide to happen it is insane to me you're right john oliver is right and he's in saying that this is a complex situation but his argument what is his argument here that the answer is to give the Palestinian Arabs a nation state? Well, the Palestinian Arabs elected a group that explicitly is calling for the destruction of Israel. So Israel can't tolerate that. Anybody who thinks Israel has a right to exist, or even that it is preferable that Israel exist, can't tolerate that sort of thing. What, what is, I don't even know what his argument is. When the first Jewish settlers moved into Israel, they displaced 800,000 Palestinians. Can you see maybe why it would be hard for Palestinians to accept the colonization of their former home? Would you? Because I do believe that Jewish people should have a safe place, their own nation to live. But I'm not willing to allow that as long as it's built on corpses of people who used to live on that land. It just seems juxtaposed to the thing of what it was trying to prevent. Rather than the loss of Jewish life, we're giving a pass to the loss of Palestinian. It's incredibly fucked up that we've been making this argument for the past hundred years to allow this genocide to reach the point that it is at right now. Other than all these muddled uh, philosophical premises that that representative government isn't legitimate. I guess he, he denied representative government. He denied that people have the right to win war when, they're, when they have war waged upon them. And if he's supporting a, a so-called Palestinian nation, he's denying the, the right of Israel to exist. So, okay, then go he ahead. He didn't even talk about any of that. He didn't talk about any of that in the short clip that they showed. So it's very amazing to me that he's making all of those assumptions after the fact.
make that argument. But he's not making that argument because he doesn't know what he's saying. He's just yelling profanity and, and performing his outrage. But the people who yell a lot and who use a lot of profanity usually do so because their arguments aren't particularly sound. If he but somebody who doesn't have a very good argument also takes incredible leaps of logic to get across the finish line. And that's Michael Knowles for you. And I am utterly infuriated. I'm sure that if any conservatives will see this, they will laugh at the fact of how triggered I am. But the fact that he uses his platform to create this much inequity and uh, suffrage to just further conservative political agenda is unbelievably disgusting to me. Like the, 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 the past three segments that we went through close people's minds, shuts out the existence of other people, and then excuses genocide. I am extremely infuriated right now. I can I'm I'm over the top. Wow, Michael. Holy shit. Okay, well, Jesus. Um God, how am I supposed to close this? God damn it. Alright, anyways. Oh god. I don't feel any less detoxified than when I started this, but this has been Tox News. Find me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Uh, like the video or the the podcast. Like it if you liked it, dislike it if you don't. Comment, rate, review, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let me know what you thought. Uh, don't let me know what you thought. And then proceed to have a wonderful life with 0% genocide. I will see you next time. And we will be back with another Militia Watch update coming next week. And other than that, we will keep our eye on the right wingers as they try to steer us into a horrifying direction. Thanks for joining me.